0: of many of Paul's letters that he writes in the New Testament, he opens up with a greeting, and he says, grace and peace to you, and this was a common exchange or greeting that was given in the first century New Testament church. We are a New Testament church, so I want to just spend a couple of minutes this morning and give you an opportunity to turn to the person to your left and your right and say, Grace and peace to you. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you this morning for the assembly of this people we thank you Lord for what you're doing in this church we thank you Lord for what you're doing in the churches all over the city we pray God this morning that your grace would be flowing through every fellowship where your name is exalted and praised this morning we pray that your peace would establish itself in the hearts of every person who hears your word in this church and every other church throughout the city. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Amen. John chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 says this. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. My wife has come to me a number of times over the last year Usually when I'm coming home from work and says, "Jason, you're so grumpy!" You're so difficult. You've got such a bite to you. <whistles> Me? But I help to lead a youth ministry, and I preach from the pulpit and, and I'm involved in influencing so many people's lives in such a positive way. Could it be true? Really? Is it me? Am I really grumpy? Am I really difficult? Do I really have a bite? A friend of mine, a friend of mine came up to me the other day at work and he said, Jason, when you're not here through the summer season, because you're on holidays, man, it is some days I just feel like I miss this fellowship. I miss sharing the Lord with you. I miss sharing the Word with you. I just feel so empty sometimes when you're not around. And, and I just feel like sometimes when I'm not reading the Bible or I'm not in prayer or we're not sharing this and, and sharing life and sharing the Word, I just feel like things are just really difficult. <laughs> nothing, nothing really seems to go well. Everything just seems really, really hard. This is a picture of what I look like most days coming home after work. Some days, this is what the rest of my family looks like when I come home after a long day at work. Sometimes life can just be so frustrating and so difficult, and it just rubs up against us like sandpaper, and it's very hard and very difficult. But other times... This kind of thing happens. I've got another friend who came up to me, and she said, you know, that someone that she loves very dearly is having all of these amazing experiences happen in his life. And everything just seems to be working out so well. And everything just seems to be flowing so well. And all the bits and pieces are coming together so well. And everything's just, it's so great. And I know about this person's experiences and and some of the things that I believe are causing things to be so great. And as I reflected on my wife's comments regarding how difficult I can be and how much of a bite I can be and how grumpy I can be at the end of a long day at work, reflecting on what is it? I mean, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible. I go to church. So what gives? Why am I acting this way? What's going on? Why am I so snappy? Why have I got such a bite? Why am I so difficult? Why do I come across as so entitled? Why do I come across like this? At the end of the day. On the dashboard of your vehicle, there's all kinds of instruments telling you how your vehicle is doing. And this little bad boy right here is the one that should frighten us more than any other, any other symbol that lights up on our dashboard. Now you guys in the front, thank you for joining us up at the front, grade six to eights. Uh, You might not recognize this so much, but most of the people back past the second row and beyond will recognize this as the check engine oil light. Now, here's the thing. When this light comes on, it's bad news. I mean, it's really bad. Like when the light comes on, it doesn't mean you got a couple days to get this matter resolved. When you see that light comes on, it means you need to pull over now because there is about to be a major catastrophe in the piece of metal that you were riding around on. And no matter your piece of metal costs $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000, this light means the same thing for every vehicle. Did you catch that? Doesn't matter how polished your vehicle is or how much it costs. When you see this light come on, it means the same thing for every one of us. It means pull over and check that thing quick. What happens when you have no oil? Yes? Breakdown is imminent. It means that you are about to spend a lot of money, maybe, maybe buy a new vehicle. When that engine seizes up, it's game over. I want you to put that picture in your brain. This is a very, very important picture for us in the spiritual life. What happens when your life runs out of oil? I think the oil in your car is a lot like God's grace in our lives. What is grace? Well, there are a lot of different ways to understand grace. There are many different contemporary uh, spiritual understandings of grace. If you talk to any number of Christians, they'll give you a beautiful statement of what is grace. But really, at the heart of it, grace is simply the unmerited favor of God. It's something that he gives you freely because of nothing you have done. I also heard once grace described like this, and this is probably one of my favorite understandings of the word grace, and it's this in the Christian church. It's God's power moving in us and flowing through us to accomplish his purposes. It's God's grace moving in us and through us. His power, his power, his grace moving in us and through us to accomplish his purposes. I I feel like that's a lot like the oil that moves through the, the, the engine of your vehicle, keeping everything running smoothly and as it should. The oil, the grace I mean, really, its fundamental purpose is to reduce friction, to keep things moving smoothly in our lives. Grace is also described as getting what we don't deserve. What is it that we get in the Christian life? Namely, salvation. We get God's unmerited love. His unconditional forgiveness, his divine power, his eternal rewards, and the list goes on and on. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, let's look at how we can draw from his wells of amazing grace to find all the protection and strength and wisdom that we need to live victorious lives in him and for him. Now, there are a couple things that I want to point out here. One, these things, when we talk about God's grace, all the blessings that come from God's grace, his protection, his wisdom, his power, all of these things are not things that we are entitled to or that we strive for or that we contend for. These are blessings that God freely releases to us as we adhere to biblical principles and do things his way. So I want to clarify. When I say there's things that we can do, and we're going to share those in a second here, to release God's grace, it doesn't mean that we're doing something to get something. That's different than what I'm saying here, that God says there are biblical principles in his word, and he says, if you do this, this is what will happen. There are principles in nature. If you put a seed in the ground and you water it and you give it light, it will grow. If you do this, this will happen. And God says there are principles in his word. And if we adhere to these principles, certain things will happen in our lives. Amen? Furthermore, let me say this about God's grace. It's not something that we have to reach out and grab onto. In Christ, as we have received Him and been made partakers of His goodness, grace is freely available to us. And it's not something that we got to try and grab onto, but rather something that we need to have our spiritual eyes opened to, to know what we already have the fullness the bible says in the first verse we read the fullness of that grace is already been planted it's already there we just need to open our eyes and become aware of what grace and love abounds already planted here and as we adhere to these biblical principles and come into agreement with god and do things his way greater grace will be released over our lives. I want to share briefly some of these principles that we can see in God's word that if we will do, that if we will comply with, we'll begin to release more grace in your life. Now, I'm not going to take credit for this message. This is, this is right off the, the, the uh, table of Howard Katz. This is circa 2016. He shared this message a couple of years ago, and this brought so much life to me. It ministered so much grace to me. So I want to share with you some of these principles. And by the way, it is my personal, humble opinion that we need to be reminded of this at least. This message needs to be preached at least, at least twice through the year if not more. We need to hear this every, like we need to wake up to this every year, every day, every week. God's grace, right? God's grace, right? God's grace. We sometimes use it as this Christian lingo. It becomes just another term that we use, but we want to unpack it again this morning and remember how great and how good is the grace of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so I'm going to fly through these quick, so get ready. Okay, here we go. Grace is released in our lives through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Now faith is the assurance... It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And it says right here that for by grace, for by faith, sorry, men of old have gained approval. It says by faith, since the very beginning of God's relationship with mankind, faith has been something that God sees and Reckons approval and, and, and grace and favor and blessings over. Grace is released when we come boldly before his throne. Hebrews four sixteen says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need to come boldly before his throne. Do you know what inhibits us from coming boldly before His throne? Sin. That's the problem with sin. It's not like, well, if I sin, I'm a bad. No, the problem is it inhibits you from coming before God's throne, not because God won't take you, because we condemn ourselves. Because we come under this weight of condemnation. We say, oh, I'm unworthy. God doesn't want to be around me. So we're inhibited from coming boldly and freely before his throne of grace and saying, Lord, I need help. And this is one of the enemy's primary weapons is to keep us away from God's throne of grace that we might receive help in what we need. Grace is released. Thank you. Grace is released when we walk in humility before him. 1 Peter 5 says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. If we don't see our failures and weaknesses we will not understand or appreciate our need for God's grace. If you walk around in this world thinking, I got it all together. I'm a pretty good person. I got this. Then we will never come to know or, and realize our need for His grace. It's one of the most common traps that we get into as Christians, especially when we really start to build momentum in our spiritual lives and in our walk. All of a sudden, we're married, we're in the Word, we're going to Bible studies, and we think, hey, this is pretty good. I got it all together. Or maybe you bring a host of educational knowledge and experiences into your Christian life, and you're thinking, well, this is just one more thing to compliment the exceptional person that I am. <laughs> if that's your attitude, if you think, I'm pretty good, I'm a nice guy, I treat people well, I'm educated. I make good money, I'm pretty good. And now I've got the word of God. That makes me even better. If this is your attitude towards the Christian life, then you are missing it. You are devoid. You are, are incompatible at this point with the grace of God because his, the principle in the word says that he opposes those who think they are great and wonderful and exceptional. But he gives grace to those who say, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this. I can't live the life that you've called me to live without your power and your strength and your grace equipping me to live that life. Amen? This is so important that we understand this. So we need to be open to recognizing our own shortcomings and failures and weaknesses because it's at those moments when we are most supple and, 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 and soft before the Lord so that he can minister to us and remind us, that's right, now you're learning. Grace, to build on that, is released in our weakness of all things. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, now Paul was going through some things See, he said, there's this thing that's gnawing away at me, God, and if you would just remove that thing, I could be free to continue to minister to the churches and to do the work that you've given me to do. So please, just remove this thorn, take this thing away, but no. God responds and says, my grace is sufficient for you. And he says, Paul, my power... Is perfected in weakness. Amen. And that's why Paul says, More gladly then, more gladly I will boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. He says, Therefore I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulty. I'll throw in one more there. With offense. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I realize how weak and how frail I am, is when God begins to minister grace to me. Grace is released as we speak words of edification to one another. Ephesians 4:29 says, "Let no foul or polluting language, evil words, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give Grace to those who hear. Grace is released in our lives as we receive a greater revelation of Jesus and his love for us. Proverbs 8.35 says, He who finds me finds life. His word says, He who finds him finds life. And obtains favor from the Lord. Our most, our most passionate quest should be to find him, to understand him, and to know him. And it says, when you find me, you will find life and favor. Grace is released as we walk in correct and true knowledge of who God is and what his word says. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. We opened up this morning with greeting each other with grace and peace. A traditional Greco-Roman First century New Testament greeting. And there are many th- scholars and theologians who say, well, that was the beginning of, uh, of a letter and it was a salutation. So we can't really build doctrine on it. Well, I would challenge that by saying that the Word of God says all Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed and useful for instruction, correction, conviction, and training in righteousness. So when the Word of God says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we're not saying, well, that's just a salutation, that's just a greeting. No, it says that, that grace and peace will be multiplied to us as we continue to gain a greater knowledge and a correct understanding of who He is and who we are in Him. Amen? Amen. Okay. So whenever you see those little salutations, don't take them for granted. Whenever you see those little things, like, what does this mean? Remember, all Scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed and useful to you in some way. Amen. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says, Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The more we know him and the fuller our understanding of who he is, the greater the grace Will flow from our lives. So it's not just about reading the Bible or praying more, but rather thoughtfully and intentionally reading the Word. It's it's taking time. Remember, it's it's not a it's not a, 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 a marathon. It's not a, a you're not. It's like a like a sprint. Like I got to get the Word of God in me, and I got to read this. Uh, I got to read this really fast. I got to try and get my, my Bible reading in tonight. I got to, I, I, my objective was to get to the end of Exodus tonight, so I got to get through. That's not what this is. It's not about a quick prayer at mealtime and saying, Great, well, I had a life of prayer today. It's about spending time with Him in prayer and, and seeking to understand His heart more. It's about opening the Word and saying, God, I want to understand the relevance of your word for my life. And as I read these three verses, what is it that you're trying to tell me about myself? What is it that I can take away from this that'll give me a greater understanding and a clear picture of who you are? And as we do this, as we discipline ourselves to enjoy his word and to enjoy his presence, greater grace will begin to flow out of our lives. Grace is released through fellowship with one another through body ministry. Matthew 18, 20 says, where two or three have gathered in my name, I am there in in, in your midst. And he says at the beginning of the word that grace and truth are revealed in Jesus Christ. So when he is in our midst, Grace is in our midst. Truth is in our midst. When we gather together, we are partakers of the grace of God in a special way. And as we minister to one another, the grace of God is released in our lives so that we can minister to one another. But if we're isolated, if we're cut off from the rest of the body, if we're cut off, from fellowship with other believers, then neither the grace of God nor the gifts of God are able to operate. 1 Peter 4.10 is, each one of you has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And finally, I think this one really sums it up and ties all of these principles together, and it's this. Grace is released through obedience. We do these things not to be better Christians. We do these things because his word commands us to do so. Forgiving one another, loving one another, developing a, a more appreciation for who he is all of the things that we're talking about here that release his grace, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time worshiping, all of these things, as we walk in obedience to these things, it releases grace in our lives. And it's God's grace that gives us power to resist sin and obey him. Romans 6 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body as sin to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under the law, But you're under grace. When we choose to obey God, we will find God's grace there to empower us to fulfill our desire to obey Him. And that's why we need a greater release of His grace in our lives. Oh, I want to serve God. I want to please God, but I just can't. It's that Romans 7 thing. I want to do it, but I can't. And the things I don't want to do, I'm doing. And the things I want to do, I can't do. And I don't know what's going on. And we get frustrated. If I could just be more disciplined, then I could live the Christian life. If I could just be a better if I could read better, I'd understand the word better. If I could this, and if I could that, and if I could this, and if I could that. And we're making all these excuses and reasons for why we can't live up to the standard that he's set. Why we can't do what he's called us to do. And that's because it's only by his grace that we can. He releases grace through us so that we can obey Him and do the things that are pleasing to Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's that's what's going on. That's why we're so frustrated. That's why we feel like we're not cutting it. That's why we feel like we're not good enough Christians. Because we're still trying to do it in our own strength and in our own efforts. We haven't yet got a revelation of God's grace and a revelation that by His grace we can live in such a way, but without His grace it is impossible. And just as obedience releases grace in our lives, disobedience and willful sin, ro- uh, willful sin, robs us of God's grace and weakens us. Okay, so why? That, that's 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 Howard's points. Yay. Okay. God bless him. Amen. Amen. I appreciate him so much. Okay. So those are the principles. That that was a a message that he did in 2016 on how to release more of God's grace in our lives. And I've already kind of begun to allude to this, but my question is, so why do we need an understanding of God's grace? And I'll just say this again. Because it is impossible to understand the new covenant that we have been made partakers of and invited into without an understanding of grace. That's what this is. The Christian life, the church, is about a new covenant that God has established with mankind but the new covenant that he's established and made us partakers of can only be understood, fulfilled, and appreciated in the context of God's grace. The life that he's brought us into and called us to live is impossible. It is impossible. I didn't say you couldn't be a good person. I didn't say you couldn't be nice to people. I didn't say you couldn't be a hard-working, upstanding Canadian citizen. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying it's impossible to live the standard that he sets. And, I'm, and I want to say something. The standard that was set in the New Testament is far higher than the Old you know the Old Testament is a lot of history and stories. I mean there are some the Mosaic laws, all kinds of rituals and laws, but if you look at the New Testament, if you look at all of Paul's writings and James's writings and Peter's writings and, and all these letters, it is one big commandment. It's like do this, you need to do this, and you need to treat each other like this, and you need to stop doing this and you need to do this. It is a heavy heavy thing to try and do. It's impossible. The standard that is laid out in the New Testament is absolutely impossible without without his life, his power and his grace moving in us and through us. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 2:20, he says, "I have been crucified with Christ." Now look at this. He says It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He said it is no longer I who live. So who's driving your boat? Is it you or is it him? We sometimes think it's Him, but is it Him? Paul understood that the life that Christ had called him to live could only be done through His amazing, saving grace. Ultimately, we want to see more of God's glory manifested in our lives. But do you want to know when we see glory released in our lives? When we live victoriously in Him. When we live victoriously in Him, each day more of God's glory is released in our lives. Ultimately, that's what we want to see. I mean, God releases His grace over us and gives us victory. Throughout our lives, for the purpose of revealing more of His glory. That's what God wants to do. He wants to be glorified, and He wants to release more of His glory in our churches and in our homes and in our lives. And this happens when we walk in victory. And the only way to walk in victory is by His grace. Grace is what allows this to happen. And it's what makes us more like Him. We are all called to be containers of His glory and dispensers of His grace. Amen. Let's say that together. We are all called to be containers of His glory and dispensers of his grace. We're going to say it one more time. This time I want you to sub the word we and I want you to sub in the word I. I have been called to be a container of his glory and a dispenser of his grace. Don't forget this. This is very important. Containers of his glory and dispensers of his grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. He always leads us in victory. And through us, and through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I didn't know what a diffuser was until about a year ago. (laughs) Never heard of it. And I have this teacher friend of mine, and she has a diffuser in her room, and it's this little, it's this little clay pot, and you plug it in, and it goes and puts a fragrant aroma into the air. We're the clay pot that God puts into the places that he chooses to place us, and he plugs us in. When we're plugged in, that little little device, that little diffuser, we are the fragrant aroma of Christ. Amen. God wants to bring each of us to a place of realizing how truly destitute we are without him and how essential his grace is to thrive in the world around us. As we mentioned earlier, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. We have to stop thinking that there's something great Or significant in us or about us apart from His grace. We we must, we must stop thinking like that. Because if if we keep thinking, and I've said this to, to you guys before, if we keep thinking to ourselves, okay, I got this. I got this, God. I got this. You know what God's gonna say? Okay, you got this. I'll wait over here. You got this, right? I'll wait right over here. You just, you just keep doing your thing, and when you're done, your thing, then I can get involved. Yeah. Okay, I don't want that. I, I don't want God sitting on the sidelines of my life saying, are you done yet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear me? Yeah, I do not want God sitting on the sidelines of my life saying, are you done yet? Because when, you, when you're done your thing there, then I can get involved. Yeah. And Howard's spiritual father said this to him. When we work... God rests. But when we, when we rest, God works. That's the kind of arrangement I want in my life. I want God doing the heavy lifting. Right? God, I'm here to cooperate with you. If you want me to move something, I'll do it. If you want me to hammer something down, I'll do it. You take charge. You just tell me what you want me to do here. Right? Right? Because as long as I'm holding the hammer and the circular saw, there's going to be trouble. And I've experienced that in my life. Okay? My wife will tell you what it's like when I'm walking through the house with a hammer and a circular saw and tools and no plans. It's trouble. Right? God's got the plans. He has the designs. He has the tools and he knows how to use them. And his word says that he'll instruct me to do so. And he calls me to cooperate with him in the work that he is doing. And again, that is the kind of arrangement God wants to make with us. We must be made empty so that he can fill us up. You know, I think that, that many of our souls, if you were to take a picture of what your soul looked like, it would look something like this. Okay? I think that many of our souls look something like a bad episode of The Hoarders. Right? I mean, we got junk and stuff that we don't need and we got garbage and we got filth and we got thousands of things. We don't even know why we have them or where they came from, but there they are. And we got all that junk just sitting in us. And God says, I want to empty that thing out so I can fill it up. Containers of His glory. Dispensers of His grace. Right? I think that, I think that an accurate picture of what God wants our souls to look like is more something like this. Right? This is what God wants to do in your soul. He wants to get rid of all that, all those burdens and all that junk and all that filth and all that garbage and all those things that you have that you don't need or know why you have or why you need them. Give them to me, he says, so that I can give you this. Right? Uh, Here, look at this. I'm talking about a fragrant aroma, See those flowers? Woo! That's what I want my soul to look like. And you see the sun in the background? The light of Christ saying, over here. Man, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not confused or, or cluttered by all the, all, the, all, all the things around me. I can see where he is. I can see the mountain that he resides on and where he wants me to be. I see, background there, rivers of living water that flow up from within me. Right? Fresh and pure. Oh, that's what I want to see. This is what I want to cooperate with the Lord in seeing happen in my soul. Rivers of life and healing, a fragrant aroma and the light of Jesus shining down on this guy's soul right here. Amen? Amen. Flowing in God's grace does not, and I need to clarify this, it does not mean that your life is going to be all clear skies and sunny days and that everyone's going to like you and that you're always going to have enough money in your bank account and that your car's never going to break down that you're going to get along with everybody in your family or that parenting is going to be clear sailing. (laughs) Right? I mean, this is a misconception, right? Oh, you come to Christ, brother, everything's going to be great. You're going to, prosperity, you're going to have money coming in. They're going to be bringing truckloads of money to your door. You get on your face and worship the Lord. He's going to do it. He's going to prosper you. You're going to have everything you need. Parenting, you got this. Your kids are going to be coming to church and worshiping Jesus every day. It's going to be amazing. And everything's just going to go smooth. And it's going to be, oh, it's going to be living on a mountain. That is not the picture of the Christian life that God portrays. What God does promise to us, though, is this. And I know there's a bit of a mix up in the slide. If you can just pull that one up there. Steve, please. What God does promise to us is this that He will be with you and that His grace is sufficient to carry you through all of these circumstances. But we must keep trusting him and believing that he is able to do what we cannot. And that he is able to do abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine. The greatest proof that we are growing in his grace is not that we're not going to go through those things, but that as we go through those things, anger and resentment, and bitterness will not be apparent. What will be apparent is the sweetness of Jesus and the fragrant aroma of his presence in our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4 to 10, the Apostle Paul says this: in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distress, in beating, in imprisonments. In tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold we live as punished yet not yet put to death, and as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. Our growth in grace is not measured by the amount of spiritual activity in our lives or by our not turning away from him but rather by the revelation that we have had and that we have about our own spiritual state. I want to talk about that for a second. In teaching, one of the things they've, they've, uh, tools they've given to us is the knowledge of being reflective. And I'm not talking about being overly introspective. I'm talking about being reflective. Can you hear his voice? Do you know what he sounds like? Have you ever heard him speaking to you? What's he doing inside of you? As you go through all of the circumstances of life, as you go through the hardships, as you go through the joys, are you thinking about what he's teaching you, what he's showing you, and revealing to you about him, about yourself, and what's being produced in your life as a result of your circumstances. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. When you go through all the different circumstances of life, are you producing rotten peaches and sour grapes? are you producing the sweet, sweet fruit of Jesus? This is how you know if you're growing and flowing in the grace of God. It's, it's, It's that simple. What kind of fruit is being produced in your life? And recognizing that the only way To produce the sweetest fruit of Christ is by His grace. Containers of His glory and dispensers of His grace. It's not something we strive for. It's not something we contend for. It's something that we open our eyes to and realize how great and wonderful the gift of God, the salvation. help, strength that God's placed within us and is just waiting to be released. Amen? Amen. 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 Father God, we thank you for your grace this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are the worker of grace in this place. And we pray, God, this morning that every heart and every soul that is thirsty for you would be filled today. If you are desiring for a greater release of grace in your life, We want to pray with you this morning at the front when the altar teams come up. We're not going to pray for some magical experience for God all of a sudden to blast you with His grace. We're going to pray for a revelation of what God's already given you and for a release of that in your lives this week and in this church. God, may your name be praised. May your word be exalted and may Jesus Christ continue to receive glory in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in this church this week, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.